everyone. Welcome to Dig Deep. It was a few years ago, and I was having one of those days that sometimes you just have as a parent. And I decided for some reason to take all three of my children who were about four and a half, two and a half, and nine months at the time to Target. I don't know what came over me, but I decided it was a good idea to take all of my kids to Target. And as you might guess, it was a total disaster. I ended up leaving without half the things on my list. I was managing tantrums in the store, feeling embarrassed. I was completely drenched in sweat by the time we got through the checkout aisle, wrestling all three of my children. And embarrassed, I finally get out to the parking lot and breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. We get to the van and I get my older two out and start moving them toward the car only to hear a squawk from my youngest who was famous for getting out of any set of straps she was in, whether it was her car seat or her high chair or a shopping cart, she would try to get out. And this time she had gotten herself caught by the neck in the straps. So I push my other two toward the van door and quickly run over to her just in time for an older gentleman to walk by and ask, daycare or all yours? And I tried to smile and I said, oh, they're all mine. And he looked at me with a furrowed brow and just said, huh, and walked on. Really, guy, that's what you have to add to my day. Anyway, I didn't have time to think about it. I took my youngest out, walk her over to her car seat, get her strapped in. I finally wrangle my two-year-old who has gotten in the van, barely, but is all over the place. I get him into his seat and strap him in only to see that he has something in his mouth. And I'm curious to see what thing he's found on the ground now because he had had rocks and mulch and dirt and every other thing in his mouth that stage of life. But I was horrified to find that when I fished through his mouth to pull out a cigarette butt. And what made it worse was that he didn't seem bothered by the taste of it. And so not only was I gagging from this horrible sight and flicking this thing out of the car, but then I was hit with the picture of my son chain smoking in a prison cell someday. And it was one of those days where I think I got in the front seat of the car and just gripped the steering wheel and stared into space and thought, I am so not cut out for this job. Who gave me these kids? I am so far from the parent that I want to be. I felt completely defeated by the task that was in front of me. And we've titled this series Unicorns, Perfect Parents, and Other Mythical Creatures because there simply are no perfect parents. And we know that, but I think we struggle with that sometimes. I do not believe in unicorns, personally. But according to some pop survey that was done, apparently 6% of adult Americans believe in unicorns. I find this so hard to believe, but 6% of adult Americans believe in unicorns. And that might just be a topic for another episode. I don't even know what to say about that. But my children do also believe in unicorns, I think, on the whole. But mermaids, mermaids are really the main obsession in our house right now. My oldest got for her birthday in January 
a mermaid fin. It's like swimming fins, but it's all one piece. And so it looks like a mermaid's tail and you can swim like a mermaid underwater. And I'm going to be totally honest. If, if they had had those around when I was a kid, I would have gotten one and been totally obsessed with it because I went through a total mermaid phase myself. And now my oldest knows that mermaids and unicorns don't exist, but it's cute to watch the younger ones ask her, Ava, are there really mermaids? And she'll say, well, no, not really, but maybe. I mean, I'm not sure. There might be. And to see that there's that little part of her and of all of them that want them to be real, hope that they're real, think that maybe they could be real. And I'm not surprised because in all the movies that they watch, there are these creatures, these unicorns or dragons or mermaids. And so there's part of them that believes that they really could be real. Maybe they are. And for me, as an adult, I struggle with my own mythical creatures because social media and the entertainment industry, they give us these brief glimpses from afar of unicorns and other mythical creatures like the perfect romantic relationship, the perfect body, the perfect home with the perfect decor and perfect parents. And even though I think on a level, logically, we know that there are no perfect parents, we struggle against that belief, thinking that there really must be, and then we hold ourselves to that standard. Every one of us has a different picture of what a perfect parent looks like, and we hold ourselves to that standard. And then we measure our performance as a parent to that standard and often feel defeated by that comparison. For me, one of the things that I've had to let go of in my picture of a perfect parent, of a perfect mom, is the mom who always has homemade baked goods in the house. And I am not a baker. I don't enjoy it. I often mess it up and burn things. It doesn't mean that I never bake, but I very rarely bake. And I know that seems like a silly example. And on a level, I know that it does not matter. And my children will not be scarred by the fact that I do not bake them cookies every day. But there is part of me that feels like a failure as a mom because somewhere along the way, I got the idea that perfect moms are bakers and bake cookies for their kids. And it's so easy for us to look at parents, look at what other parents are doing and fill in the blank and say, well, I'm so not that. I can't imagine ever doing that and then feeling defeated. And I believe this mentality poisons our parenting in so many ways and, and can do the same in our marriages and all our relationships when we compare ourselves to each other and compare ourselves to a standard that, was, that isn't real. It's, it's a myth. In their book, Love Powered Parenting, Tom and Shondell Holiday open with this simple reminder. And, and I highly recommend this book, by the way. It, it's a great, great practical resource on parenting. But they open the whole book with this really simple sentence. Parenting is a relationship. Parenting is a relationship. And they go on to explain it. It's so simple and obvious. We all know parenting is a relationship, but it's so profound because if we're being honest, they go on to explain most days 
we fall into the trap of viewing parenting more as a set of tasks or a job to accomplish each day. And it's different in each season of parenting. You know, we start out and it's feedings and diaper changes and swaddling and bedtime and wake time. And then as they get older, it's get the kid to soccer practice and homework completed, check, and dinner on the table. And we start to view parenting as a set of tasks, but parenting was never meant to be a set of tasks. It's a love relationship with another human being. When Jesus in the Bible, in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, was asked by a teacher of the law what the greatest commandment was, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. And the second command is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so Jesus taught that nothing is more important than relationships, a loving relationship with the God who created you and loves you and loving relationships with others, including our families. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love. It's not a set of achievements. It's not a set of tasks or a to-do list. It's love. And like any love relationship, your relationship with your kids should be as unique as you and your kids are. And if you think about any relationship, like if you take marriage, for example, we know that there are certain principles that apply to marriages and and having healthy marriage. The Bible teaches, and we know from experience probably, that love and respect are foundational principles for a healthy marriage. But how a couple communicates love and respect to one another is going to be unique to their relationship. They're going to have their own ways of communicating those things to each other. Of course, there's going to be some common things that you'll see in several different marriages, but each marriage is completely unique because it's made, of, made up of two unique people. And the same is true for parenting. And so today I want us to spend our time focusing on just one of these principles. It's one of the principles that Tom and Shondell Holiday talk about early on in their book. They point out that relationships must be chosen as a priority and then rechosen and rechosen and rechosen. And they go on to say, love is spelled out in our daily lives with four letters, T-I-M-E. This is true in marriage, in our relationships with friends and family, and in parenting. We show people we love them with time. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. And they, they point out in the book that a lot of people talk about what's more important, quality time or quantity time. And they said both. Both are needed. A healthy relationship involves spending time together. And so in the same way that you could work next to somebody for years and never really have a relationship with them, or how you and your spouse could potentially, even in the midst of your busy routine where you're in very close proximity to each other most likely, can grow emotionally and relationally distant. Quantity time isn't the only thing. Quality time, intentional time, is important. 
and parenting is a relationship. And so it requires time. So this may seem simple, but you try it today. We're going to hit this early on in the episode is to give your kids the gift of your time today. And here's the really great news when I say that. You're already spending time with your kids. Now we know there's a difference between spending time next to someone and spending time really with someone. But the great news is you already spend a lot of time with your kids. Julie Richard, who runs a ministry called Fearless Mom, you can find it at fearlessmom.com. It's a ton of great videos and teaching and resources. She's just wonderful. She says that she never wants to, with any of these principles, add to anyone's to-do list as a parent because we know that parenting does involve a ton of responsibility and a to-do list that is real. There are things that we have to get done every day. But she says spending time with your kids doesn't have to be something that you add to your to-do list. We can redeem the time that we're already spending with our children and make it more intentional. So it's not about adding this to your to-do list, but changing the way you think about the time that you spend with your children and being intentional with them. So this is, if your kids are little, bath time and bedtime. If your kids are pretty much any age, it can be car time or time running errands together. Using the time that you already have, the things that you're already doing in your love relationship with your children to build relationship, to not just get things done, but to talk with them, to not just get through them multitasking, but to be fully present with your kids. And I'll be honest and say that this is a really huge struggle for me. I am a multitasker to a fault. My husband gives me such a hard time because I always completely mangle my toothbrushes within three uses because I cannot just stand at the sink and brush my teeth. I have to do something else too. And so I end up biting my toothbrush as I clear off the counter in the bathroom or help my kids brush their teeth or one of a hundred other things that I could think to do while brushing my teeth. For the same reason, I can't make any recipe that includes the words stir continuously because I will ruin it. I literally, if I'm reading a recipe and those words are in there, I won't make it. I will find something else to make because I cannot force myself to stand still and stir a pot continuously. I will burn it. I will ruin it. And so this is hard for me as a mom because my kids will, they want my attention, of course. And when I am in the busyness of the day, Focusing time that I'm spending with them fully on them is a struggle for me. But when I can look through the lens of a love relationship that I want to grow with my children, it's easier for me to let myself off the hook with the to-do list and focus on being in a relationship with another human being. I'm in a stage of parenting, maybe you are too, where bedtime is the final epic parenting assignment of each day. As Jim Gaffigan says, also a parent of young children, the comedian Jim Gaffigan says, bedtime is a crisis. And he says it's like a hostage situation in reverse. You think, I will give you anything you want if you will just stay in there. 
And I find myself rushing through it because I just want to hang out with my husband or have a few minutes of peace and quiet before I go to bed myself. And so I've often been guilty of backing slowly out of a room, nodding and smiling as my child is trying to get in the last few words of the day on whatever topic they want to talk about and saying, okay, that's great. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Go to sleep, please. And I was convicted about this last year when I heard Andy Stanley, a pastor who I have a ton of respect for, preach a sermon and talk about how as his kids were growing up, he had this habit with them at bedtime where he would sit next to them on their bed and place his hand on their little heart and just ask them, how's your heart? And they would say, fine, daddy. And he would say, are you mad at anyone? No, daddy. Are you sad at anyone? No, daddy. And I thought to myself, oh, brother, are you kidding me? At bedtime, I am so desperate to just get out of the room. Starting a conversation like that was beyond me. But after a few months, I decided, okay, I'm just going to give that and a few things like it a try at bedtime. Just make a little bit more space for conversation. And the first time I tried it with my daughter, my oldest, who was six at the time, I asked her, how's your heart? And she looked at me funny and said, what do you mean, mom? And I said, well how are you doing? Are you mad at anyone? She's like, no, mommy. I was like, are you sad about anything? No. And then after a few moments of silence, she got tears in her eyes and she proceeded to tell me about an interaction that she'd had with a friend at school three months before. And she was stung by something her friend said and did and she'd never told me about it. And so we sat and it led to a great conversation about grace, forgiveness, how people who hurt people are often hurting themselves. And then we spent time praying, praying for her and praying for her friend. And then we said goodnight. And it really was only about five or ten minutes. And if I can change my perspective on things like bedtime and bath time and car time, I can redeem some of the things that I'm already doing, some of the things on my to-do list that I'm just trying to get through so I can check another day off as a semi-success. And I can build a love relationship with my kids that'll be lasting. And those are the moments as a parent where I feel true peace and joy. And I want more of those. And so our try it today is just that, to give your kids time today. And again, good news. You're already giving your kids a ton of your time. But reframing that time, the time that you spend doing things you're already doing, And asking God, teach us how to manage our time well so that we can grow in wisdom, so that we can grow as parents and grow these little lives that have been entrusted to us. Give your kids a piece of your time.
That could be as simple as turning off the radio in the car and having a conversation on the way to and from soccer practice or taking a few extra minutes at bedtime. Or maybe it's having them help you with dinner and asking them how their day was. While I was working on the content for this episode, I was sitting in a Starbucks next to a mother-daughter duo who were hanging out talking, and I was fascinated by their topics of conversation because her daughter is almost in middle school, and that seems really far in the future to me when in reality it's not far away at all. And they discussed everything from whether or not she really did want a unicycle for her birthday to who her best friends are currently and who's friends with who to whether or not she really needed a laptop for middle school. And while I was suppressing some measure of panic a little bit at what was to come, I also was feeling a sense of excitement, excitement for what's to come and for the potential that there is for the relationships that I have with each of my children And when I get so caught up in the busyness of day-to-day life and my to-do list and my tasks, I forget that I totally love these kids. They're all so different. My three are so different from each other, and I love them all intensely and individually. And so many days, the days when I feel defeated are usually the days where I'm focusing on the to-do list and the tasks and not the relationships. And the days when I spend quality time having conversations with my kids, investing with them, are the days when I have peace and joy as a parent. And so whether you are totally thriving right now as a parent, or you are having lots of, oh crap, my kid just put a freaking cigarette butt in his mouth kind of days in a row, Remember that there's a God who loves you and wants a relationship with you and wants to show you how to have that loving relationship with your children. Thanks so much for being here today. I look forward to having you back next week as we continue this series. Next week, I am going to be interviewing my own mom. As we talk about parenting, um, I'm going to interview my mom. And just to give you a snapshot of who my mom is, She and my dad have been married for 36 years. They've raised five kids. My mom has worked a variety of part-time and full-time jobs while we were growing up. And then a few years ago, when she became an empty nester, she surprised us all and said she was going back to school. She went to nursing school and got her RN, and now she's working full-time in healthcare and loves it. She drives a pickup truck, and one of her favorite things to do is mow the lawn. So she is certainly a unique, one-of-a-kind lady, and I look forward to introducing you to her and asking for some of her wisdom. She certainly is not a perfect parent, I can tell you from experience, but she has a ton of wisdom, and I look forward to interviewing her next week. So come back and join us. We hope you have a great week in the meantime, and we'll see you next week. 